and welcome to the One Football Podcast. Advantage Arsenal in the title race. Karius is set for a glorious comeback. The Champions League returns, plus loads more. As joining me, Matt Froelich, today are Lewis Ambrose. Good afternoon. And Podrick Whelan. An exciting weekend of footballing action. It feels like something I say every single week. Um, but Lewis must have been on a roller coaster of emotions, starting from Aston Villa, going all the way through to the end of the Manchester City game as well. Um, I want to know at what minute precisely you started giving up hope, Lewis, or did you always have the faith? Oh, giving giving up hope. What does that mean? Um, <laughs> that Arsenal wouldn't know. win at Villa Park. Supporter. I don't know. Like, I think, obviously, I think most football fans have that moment where you go, ah, oh, that was the chance. Um, and when Martin Odegaard, somehow he's been incredible mm. all season, uh, dragged his shot wide after after Eddie Nketiah had nicked the ball in the Aston Villa box and you just have like the biggest chance you can hope for. You're on your knees watching that second half, hoping a chance like that appears. Um, and you'd probably be hoping that it falls to Martin Odegaard. Um, he'd be in sort of like the one or two Arsenal players that you'd hope that would fall to the way that he's played so far this season. And yeah, he just dragged it wide. And, uh, you, you know, it was impossible, I think, in that moment not to think that was that was probably the best chance. Or it was the best chance we'll get. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought we were playing well enough that I never, that Arsenal were playing well enough that I never thought that there wouldn't necessarily be a late goal. Like, I, But, you know, you, you, don't, you wouldn't have bet on a 93rd, you know, by the time it reaches the 93rd minute and Villa have had a couple of breakaways and that kind of thing as well. You wouldn't have probably bet on Jorginho smacking one in via the goalkeeper's head. Uh, Podrick, do you think we're seeing um, not necessarily a blueprint of how to beat Arsenal that Sean Dyche laid out, but certainly facts that Arsenal can be beaten in the last few weeks with only one win in the last four? Nah, because Villa didn't beat them. So, But is there proof that they can be got at? Every team can be got at, can't they? Every team. Oh, you look bloody invincible before that. <laughs> well, no, but every team's lost games. Like it's also three different, like the what Everton, Brentford, and City, like the dropped points were all in very different ways as well. It wasn't as if there was one set thing that one of those managers or one of those teams did that mm. um, that particularly was the reason Arsenal dropped point. Like. Uh, Pep didn't go to the Emirates and start playing Deitch ball and was relying on one of the centre-backs getting a header out of nothing. So, I don't know. And, and I just point out, the officials of, like, Arsenal did not play well against Brentford, but the governing body of the officials <laughs> have admitted that Brentford didn't actually score a goal in that game. Yeah. Like, not not a goal that should have and counted. Is, is so... it Lee, Lee Mason who's who's now left, uh, yeah. left Pogba? Honestly, that is the sign of a guilty man who then just leaves his job. A few days later, yeah, you you wonder if he <laughs> left or if he was told that he was leaving. Um, yeah, a little bit, I think. But, that's you know, that's but, the polite way of putting it. Mutual yeah. consent, I think they call it, don't they? Yeah, the consent was mutual, certainly. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure it's mutual if he wants to leave. <laughs> if he's asked to leave, it doesn't sound very mutual. It sounds like politeness. Just politely yeah. asking him to leave. Um, you know. Yeah, true. Very true. Uh, Lewis, you can answer another question for me, which completely baffled me in real time. When I saw Granite Xhaka celebrating the third goal, <laughs> and I, was, I, I, I turned to my mate and I was like, I swear he just came off. He was like full full kit, not even like yeah, a Yeah, that was the thing, on. wasn't it? It, it, looked, it wasn't because 
Granite Xhaka had gone off, it was because he hadn't even put a coat on or something. Like he was still just wearing the like almost everybody gets subbed off and they put a they put a jumper on. Well, what did he they, do? Did he just run across uh, the pitch? What do you mean? Yeah. Well yeah. But why was like, he on that after, side? Well he wasn't. And then the team scored and he wanted to celebrate, so he just legged it across the entire the entire pitch, asleep. which which definitely isn't allowed. I'm sure <laughs> yeah. Arsenal get a charge of some sort for Granite Xhaka leaving the dugout area having been a sub uh, entering the field of play or yeah. some nonsense I don't know um, than Vieira's celebration though I mean he put a lot of pressure on Martinelli there because <laughs> he was celebrating a long time before he got near the penalty ball <laughs> yeah so you know it's, Granite Xhaka just wanted I think it's I think it, it goes it's, it goes to show how much this means right now to everybody at Arsenal um like and how together everybody is. I think a lot of players, when you need a goal and you've had a bit of a bad run, I think a lot of players would maybe take exception to being the one that gets subbed off, the one that isn't trusted to help get you the result in the end. And there's just absolutely none of that. Granite Xhaka wanted mm. to be a part of that celebration as as much as anybody else. And, and you know, fair play to him as a fan. Obviously, it's the sort of thing that you love to see that someone's that invested. Um, Podrick, I don't know really where you stand on Emmy Martinez, but uh, do you think this was a little bit, um, do you feel for him almost with the, the own goal going in or do you think eh, he kind of deserves it? It's hard to, isn't it? I don't know. I mean, I'd like him and I enjoyed a lot of the World Cup final and it was funny. Um, I guess it comes down to whatever dog you kind of had to yeah. fight. Um, you'd probably love him if he's on your team uh, and obviously used to be at Arsenal. Um but yeah, I mean, it was—I wasn't like heartbroken to see that happen to him, and then a few minutes later, he's the one that's up for the corner and has cost him another goal. Uh, yeah, it wasn't I, wasn't the worst thing I, that happened. I to saw Emery. Was this true that Emery yeah. was like really annoyed that he went up? And I was like, what? Why else wouldn't you go up? Oh, yeah, Emery. Emery moaned. He said that it wasn't his idea. That. It only works one in a hundred times, so it's like he's, he's never told. He said he's never told a goalkeeper to do it, and that he didn't tell him to do it, and that Martinez just decided on his own. And I, I also, I had the same thought, Matt. It's like, well, you would have lost anyway. So yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the get, get an extra bo- get an extra player in the box for the corner. Surely, like, who cares? Uh, genuinely, if you lose four two instead of three two because you've let in a ninety seventh minute try uh, goal trying to equalize, mm. who cares? Like well, I, I don't know, em- quite funny. Emery Emery wanted to boast that he only lost by one goal. Like yeah. it's bizarre. I I always find it quite amusing when the goalkeeper goes up and then they leave like a like a left back on the halfway line just in case. I'm like, what? No, why don't you just put the left back just in the leave, box and leave, leave the, the keeper on the halfway, on the halfway line? line. <laughs> He's the guy more adept at scoring goals. It makes no <laughs> sense whatsoever. <laughs> You'd only get that right, surely, if it's like last day of the seat and you've got a win to stay up or, or win the title or something. That's the only way. But I agree with Podrick. I want to see that in like September, that a team are one all in the last minute in a game. They probably should be winning. A draw is disappointing. Send the goalie up. Go for it. Uh, we'll move to Manchester United. And just a very quick question on them, Lewis. Well, two, one for you, one for Podrick. Are they a serious title challenger? Nah. They're good. No? They're good, but they're, they're good, but they're, they've got to win so many games, and they're not uh, that good. Well, well, I, I, I think to... I, I think if they were, the, if, I think if there was one team ahead of them, yeah, that I would say yes. But they need Arsenal and City to both go on a few games, like of dropping points that you maybe wouldn't expect. And I think one of those teams might do it enough for United to catch them. 
Mm. I think the chances of both Arsenal and City not reaching sort of 86, 87 points. Because United, you know, they've just dropped too many already. I think they're, they're reliant a little bit on Marcus Rashford as well. They've got a lot of games because of all the competitions they're still in. Mm. Um, so I think I think United can definitely finish second. And I think if they were second right now with the gap they are to, to top, then I would definitely say yes. But the fact they need two teams to slip up, just I think it's just a little bit out of reach. It seems unlikely. Well, they're only three points behind City. I'm not sure. But they You're also right, don't though, play too. Arsenal or City again as well. So they don't even have the chance, you know, head to head to to beat either of the top mm. two. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll rule top. We'll, well, yeah, but well, that's the thing. Okay, we'll, we'll rule Tottenham out of that conversation as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, before before everybody hates me, Man United are clearly really good, by the way. Eric Ten Hag's yeah, doing yeah, a great yeah, job. No, yeah. And like, ask me again next season, like this time next season, and I'll probably say yes, but not right now. Honestly, the quadruple's on for them. The quadruple is on. Was it some Put your money where your mouth so is, Matt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not... I'm not uh, I'm not really that interested in United with the quadruple that I put some money on it. Um, and secondly, actually, the question for you, Podrick, is that, was that almost definitely a red card on Wout Weiss? Um, oh, I went over and back on it. Uh, I think so. I'm surpri- mm. I, What I would say is I'm surprised that VAR checked it and didn't give him a red card. When I saw it like in real time, I almost thought he actually got a touch on the ball at first and mm. he was what moved it away and it was just like a follow through and Faiz's knee. Um, but yeah, I think he's probably quite lucky to be honest there that he didn't get sent off. Um, as for the Saturday evening game, we had Liverpool. Uh, are they back on track, Lewis, with a victory 2-0 over Newcastle? Or was it just a case of the whole situation of the game with the early um, deficit and then the red card made this something you can't really definitely say Liverpool are back to their best. I mean, you're setting me up, aren't you? They play Real Madrid in about 24 hours. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to and I'm gonna sit here and go, yeah, yeah, they're brilliant yeah. again. Well, no, um, no, there was, there's, <clears throat> there's an excuse as to why um, I, I think you know, full strength. Yeah, I think, you know, I don't, I don't love these definitive statements like are Liverpool are Liverpool mm. back and it's like they're going to go and win the next 15 games in a row um they're not like that then the the issues I mean, in the team that have been clear to see for a while now even this game on Saturday they played against 10 men and for a long long time and you didn't feel like the game was properly in the bag two goals up against 10 men mm. uh, you know credit to Newcastle because they're a good side as well Liverpool are just a bit of a work in progress, I think, is probably the best way to look at them at the moment. Um, and, and the rest of the season, they'll probably continue to be a bit of a work in progress. The the midfield is evolving with Bacetic coming in and, and playing really well. The you know the back line feels like that needs to evolve. I, I wouldn't say it is evolving, but it needs to a little bit. Van Dijk's lost a step. Gomez... When when Canate's out, Gomez doesn't look like he's good enough to to be a permanent partner at the back there, and the front three is still getting used to each other, learning each other. I think Darwin Nunez is definitely going to come good. I think Cody Gakpo will will chip in with enough end product, and Mohamed Salah is is obviously quality as well. So like they'll pick up more points than they've picked up so far. Like they've, I think they've been. I think they've been a bit unlucky. They've had a lot of injuries, and I was never. 
in the camp that thought like this was it and Klopp needs to go or anything mm. like that. Nothing drastic. I, I, I would back them to probably finish fourth, to be honest. I think they've got it in them to to catch Newcastle and to and to maybe outdo Spurs over the next few months and finish fourth. Whether like back, if back means they're as good as last season, then no, definitely not. But they look in a, a much, much healthier place than they did even, what, a week ago. Mm. As for Newcastle, Podrick, do you think things are maybe slipping a little bit? I mean, before that, it was four draws out of the last five matches. So now it's one win in the last six um, for them. Are they sort of being figured out or is it just a case of their form previously was that good that it's almost impossible to maintain? Yeah, and it's, it's kind of like Lewis said there about Liverpool. Like, you don't want to completely just be like, after a few shaky results, like, oh, now no, it's Newcastle or the, not the flavour of the month anymore. Especially, I think, like, the, the big thing with them is just that their next game means that they've got a chance to win a trophy. And for them, that is massive. And that fan base, and you know as well, having been around them, like, they, they absolutely live and die for it. Mm. They've gone a long time for a club of that size without a trophy, because as I always like to say to them, oh, but you won the championship and they didn't seem to count that as a trophy. Don't know why. Quite disrespectful, I would say, to the championship, but they obviously didn't think they should have been there. And yeah, they were right. So, I mean, like, it's results like the Bournemouth one, I was really surprised. If Bournemouth, like, they hadn't looked all that great. Their record against Newcastle as well. Like, obviously, that was when Eddie Howe was the manager. Really poor. And then Newcastle went there, struggled, and yeah, Saturday was, I think like Lewis kind of touched on it as well with the quality Liverpool have. That team, and they could beat Real Madrid and knock them out of the Champions League just because they have that quality and they can beat anybody on their day. That includes Newcastle, includes Real Madrid. So, yeah, I'm not, um, I'll, I'll not be writing Newcastle off. And yeah, it should be a great final as well, actually, coming up. I, I saw someone trying to justify Nick Pope's. Uh... Sorry, say that he didn't deserve <laughs> to get a red card. Eddie Howe said it was harsh. Others, the guy scoops the ball. He completely I've, misses a header <laughs> and then realises it and pulls it back. Harsh. I've never seen a more obvious red card in my life. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I did see one Newcastle fan trying to say that it was because he took a, the knock to the head. Like He was kind of stunned the from concussion. the attempted header. And it was, well, he wasn't thinking right. And maybe that's <laughs> grounds for appeal. Yeah. Like, uh, no, Probably I don't not. think so. Good luck with that no. appeal. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. I honestly think they've got more chance of appealing the rule that Dubravka's cup tied than they do at overturning Pope's red card. <laughs> and you can't even appeal Dubravka being cup tied. No, that's, that's how that's little room they stone. have. Yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. Um, so because of that Dubravka cup tie, it means that Loris Karius is going to be goalkeeper in the final. Is there a greater redemption story in football in the modern age than that, Lewis? Um... If Newcastle lose, then yeah, there are loads. <laughs> a part of me, part of me can't. It, I can't fathom what would happen if he has another shocker. I, I, I um, couldn't watch. I don't my initial, I don't know about you guys, but my initial thought on on Saturday when Pope was sent off, and then we all knew that that Carrius would almost certainly be the goalkeeper for the cup final. It just feels like one of those stories that football writes, doesn't it? That he comes in and has an absolute yeah. stormer. Man United can't find a way past him. Yeah. He has the game of his life and and it walks off the pitch with a trophy in his hands. Yeah. Went this on penalties. Be... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Whether the penalty shootout or it's just one of their they'll way. send him up they'll send him up for a corner yeah. when it's one all. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it will be. He just it just feels like it, it, it boils down to like kind of a Hollywood scenario. Like you've got one game, you don't need to play after this match, Loris. You can retire. Literally, yeah, just have yeah. one blinder. You win the trophy, even though it's the Carabao Cup, and that's it. You're Proper like walk off into the sunset yeah. kind of stuff. Unbelievable! My gosh, what a what? A, well, that's if I he want, plays. Wonder There's if Dubravka will be cheering for him though, eh? Because if Carius plays well and Newcastle win, then it's depriving Dubravka of that all important League Cup winners medal. What do you think? Yeah, what do you think? Dubravka would get a medal. Yeah. Yeah, he only gets a medal if Man United win. Man United. Yeah, yeah. Even though he's employed by Newcastle, currently yeah. a Newcastle player. Yeah. What What do you think goalkeeping training is going to look like at Newcastle this week? Like Dubravka, like pummeling the ball into the top <laughs> corner over and over again, just to break Carrius' spirit. Yeah. <laughs> or, well, or was... like, what do, What will he want to happen? Well, the, the funnier he was asked. I think somebody, he was like in an interview. Someone asked him, and he said, "You can't take him at his word." Yeah, but, but Dubravka would... literally said, "Like, oh yeah, people ask me who am I vote, who, who do I want to win? You know, man, you Newcastle, and obviously I say Newcastle." And I'm like, "Well, yeah, mate, you spent four months on loan at Man United. I, I find he it gets, hard he gets to think the Man you've... United team boss back after yeah, the game yeah. up to Manchester." I was going to say he'll be he'll be on the man he'll be sat behind the Man United bench in his Newcastle tracksuit <laughs> cheering along with <laughs> yeah. the rest of them. Yeah, <laughs> it is honestly it's such a unique storyline that I'm all here for it. I think it's quite funny. But there's also yeah, I was going to mention Mark Gillespie, the 30 year old who's played for Aberdeen and I think Carlisle, um, who who's never played a Premier League match, who I didn't even know existed until I saw saw his name mentioned, um, that could also play as Newcastle's fourth choice. That's surely the next, that's the next episode, isn't it, of this story, is is Karius getting sent off or injured in the first half and Gillespie has to come on. I didn't even think about that. Gillespie is going to be on the bench, though. Oh, God. Surely, yeah, surely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even think about that. What a cop I mean, even even fifth choice, because Cole Darlow would be ahead of... But, he, but he's out on loan with uh, is Hull. it Hull? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, they in can't recall him. So even he would be like you know, in terms of new goalkeepers that Newcastle have under contract, mm. he'd be ahead of certainly Gillespie and probably Carrius as well if he was at the club. Is Freddie Woodman not still there? I just he was <laughs> yeah. one of those guys that just seemed to be perennially on the books at Newcastle, <laughs> just waiting for someone and then he had yeah. to eventually go like the Fraser Forster way and it was just yeah and now and now he would guys. have been starting in a cup final if he just stuck yeah. it out another year or two I saw I saw a great tweet someone said well time to dust off Steve Harper and bring him yeah. back yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. oh perfect who's the who's the outfield player at Newcastle that you, you would most trust to to go and go with it if they, the situation demanded it I feel it. like size wise it has to be Joel Linton <laughs> Dan Byrne yeah, well, Aye, Dan oh, yeah. yeah, but there, there's being <laughs> is he physical too big? Then, he, yeah, there, yeah, he's, there, too, being he's too, too big. big to be a goalkeeper. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I, I, yeah, maybe on crosses, but I think Joel Linton's got the good mix of size and agility. Whereas Dan, and we know that, that he is Dan good in other positions as well. So plus, Dan Burns only got nine fingers. Like. So I'm not sure if that's Oh, true. Actually... That counts oh, against yeah. him. Yeah, that's yeah. very, very good. I'm, point. Not, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's going for against him. Yeah. I think it's against, against, definitely. Maybe. Okay, well, let's put that hypothetical to the side for a yeah. second. Um, 
The last bit, a little bit I wanted to talk about in the Premier League actually was Tottenham and the victory over West Ham. Because Lewis, we were discussing a little bit earlier, just how insane it was that Spurs didn't get a penalty. Um, because West Ham, the second week in a row, decided to just punch the ball out of their own box. <laughs> First Chelsea and then this. Yeah, what, kind of, what kind of rule absolves them of all responsibility in this case? Like uh, the, uh, the only thing I heard from a commentator yesterday was that like that the ball was really close to Tilo Kera when it was kicked, and then it hits his hand and it's like kicked from like a yard away or something. But why is his hand down there? Like, yeah, that's what I don't get. If you, if your hand is in that position and the ball hits your hand, sorry, <laughs> penalty. Like there's no two ways about it for me. I, I was absolutely shocked, and it looks like he kind of dipped his shoulder down knowing that his arm was there and then scooped it away. I, I, I just, it's absolutely baffling. I just cannot, I cannot fathom how with so many computer screens that happens. It's a joke. Do, do, they, do they have VAR in the Scottish Premier League, Podrick? Unfortunately. Scottish Premiership. Premiership even. Oh, they do. Must correct you. They do. The I, I, didn't know, I didn't know if they did yet. Yeah, well, they brought say... it in halfway through the season. Well, not even halfway, about eight games in or something because you know that makes sense and uh, it's not fun and I'm not enjoying it but more, that's more, for another podcast more penalties to Rangers I guess well I mean James Tavernier has 50 50 <laughs> penalties I'm just saying just saying. that's pre-VAR is it 50? yeah well a little bit included Oh my God, unbelievable. Um, Podrick, what do you think about, uh, there was rumours that Antonio Conte maybe not returning to Spurs. I mean, obviously this is completely health dependent. Um, but that aside, that maybe he's kind of taken a bit of time off from the game. Um, do you read into anything that he's a bit of a, his negative almost aura was impacting Spurs on the touchline in two games under Stellini? Three even, if you include the Marseille match. Spurs have won all three. Is there anything to that or not? I, I don't know. I think it's um, I think it's really I don't know. I try to find the word that I think it's easy to underestimate how difficult he that guy's had it in like the last what six seven months. Obviously, his best friend um, mm. and someone that worked at the club dying, and then I mean underwent this surgery, and then went on the touchline in Leicester. Same in Milan and. I mean, Stellini gave a really good interview before the West Ham game where he kind of spoke about it in a lot more depth and basically said, like, the guy had no right to be on the touchline in Leicester and in Milan and he looked sick. He he, he didn't look well. Um, yeah, I, th- I think there's a... It's, he's, he's body and his mind, everything. I think the guys went through so much that a break from all of this um, is probably wise, and especially the fact that his doctors had to physically ground him this time when he was mm. back in Italy and said... Oh, that was... I was amazed that he was back for that Leicester... Like, the Leicester... You just th- you thought to yourself immediately, that can't be right. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Like, that, that yeah. cannot be healthy. He clearly... Yeah. He, there was no way... He'd had surgery a few days before. There was no way he could have been recovered and fine to be yeah. on the touchline running yeah, around yeah. and stuff and like that. And that's what Stellini said, but it was... Like, Conte feels like if he can't give 100%, then he doesn't want to be there, but that's also like you also can't give one hundred percent your body. It's a major, like major You're operation with yeah. the guy, like his <laughs> removal of his gallbladder. Yeah, so like I was, I mean, it says a lot about like the guy's commitment. I don't think you could mm. ever doubt that, and like the fact that he was on the touchline and wanted to be there is like incredible. But yeah, I think it was wise probably this time that his doctors um, 
grounded him in. I mean, you don't need him, Matt, do you? Stellini seems a popular guy getting results. I saw, <laughs> I saw Stellini comment saying, oh yeah, Conte won't be there for Chelsea, which is next Sunday. But then we'll see about the um the, the League Cup against Sheffield. I guess it's, it's hard the to FA know. Cup. I guess it. Yeah, it's only 10 days time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, a bit, a bit, I just thought it, maybe there was something quite interesting about sort of a no Conte on the sideline. Maybe it can be quite intense being on mm-hmm. the pitch, knowing that he's kind of watching every move, he's practically kicking the ball with you. Maybe Stellini cutting a different figure is quite, I don't know, maybe it's quite an interesting dynamic for the players. On, and, on, on and the flip see side, it. seeing an ill manager might not be very motivating either if you know that your manager's quite sick. You, you see it when just when clubs change manager, right? Like it doesn't mean that the last manager was bad or the new one's mm. good necessarily, but you just see this sometimes a little bit of change in atmosphere and it, and it brings results. It brings a change like... It's obvious whatever Conte was doing wasn't really working uh, mm. at Spurs so far this season, and maybe it is just a good refreshing change for everybody, himself included. Yeah. But for the players, you know, that like you say, Matt, that he's not looking over every single touch. He's not screaming from the touchline. I'm sure he's in touch with all of them. I'm sure there are sort of phone yeah. calls during the week and and that kind of thing. And and maybe even immediately after games or or team talks before games where he's he's maybe involved, but I think it probably is you know after such an intense twelve months or a bit more than twelve months with him as the manager now, it's probably quite nice like the change of pace for for everybody. Yeah, well, it was a pretty decent victory actually in the end for Spurs. Um, we'll move on though to the Champions League. That is where we'll give some predictions um, and sort of wrap up this week's podcast. A nice short and sharp one. Real Madrid Liverpool is the first one we're going to kick things off with. Though is this a daunting a task as maybe? Um, well, certainly I would have suggested in previous weeks, Podrick for Liverpool, or is things looking slightly more rosy after the last couple of weeks? Did you make up a word there? That's that was my first one. What was you the word? Dauntinger. I thought I heard the word Dauntinger. I was like, Dauntinger. Oh, Mister Frolic, <laughs> breaking out oh, the you thesaurus. Know, <laughs> oh, let's not pull out my thesaurus no, joke. <laughs> let's not. Let's, <laughs> we'll leave that yeah. one to the side. Let's not. But, it's not uh, just terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it really is. Um, <laughs> is it more? Da- I've I, got I, Lewis with that one. I've got him. <laughs> The listeners can, uh, <laughs> viewers, they, they can email you about that one. Yeah, please do. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Liverpool are obviously, like I'd said earlier, that I think that they're just a team with the quality they have, that they can beat anybody on their day. Uh, Real Madrid, that kind of little bit of a bogey thing on them in the Champions League, seems like in recent years, which, I mean, I think players' stuff will change a lot, but these two teams... I think you'd probably be surprised when you look back at even some of the earlier ones. A lot of the same kind of personnel still be around, so how that plays into I don't know. But I think Liverpool, yeah, I, I would agree that it's a less daunting task for them, for sure, uh, going into this one. Real Madrid of their own kind of issues, a few fitness concerns and stuff, mm. and they've not exactly, I mean, they won the Club World Cup, but I mean, you expected that, and they've not exactly came back from the the winter break, all guns blazing, apart from a few good performances here and there in La Liga. So I think they'll be looked at as you can get at them. But I will never, ever, ever write off Real Madrid when it comes to the Champions League. They are just ridiculous. And I've learned that the hard way this season as well. So uh, Yeah, 
You, you, you mentioned the, the few injury worries there as well. Lewis, do you think without Benzema, that's a really, really different Real Madrid side? Or do you still back Vinicius Junior to kind of step up in his place? Because he hasn't done it as much as we saw earlier on in the season. Yeah, like he has, tra- he's travelled today, um, mm. um, Karen Benzema, but I think it's just the depth, like the the ability that they have in depth. I was looking at the squad that had travelled before and uh, and Tony Kroos and Chermeni both haven't travelled, which, and then your your brain goes, oh, that's, that sounds bad. Mm. <laughs> and then you look at the team and you're like, yeah. all right, so now they're going to play a midfield of Modric, Camavinga and uh, Valverde. Ah, they'll be fine. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's just there are so many unbelievable players, and I think it's the same with Benzema. And Real Madrid. I think last season it would have hurt a lot. I think this season actually he's not played as well or, or been as consistent as last season. And he's been, he's had a few knocks, and they've got used to having to play without him anyway. You know, I think Asensio's had a, a had a better season, a bigger role. Uh, Vinicius is just week in week out, absolutely mm-hmm. spectacular. So. I wouldn't be like you'd obviously rather play them without Benzema than than with him, but I wouldn't be, you know, taking it for granted if he's not there. Do you think this is a game where the midfield battle maybe could expose um, um, Liverpool, who haven't exactly been on the best of form in the middle? Especially, I don't get me wrong. I think Bajic is a good young player, but when you're coming up against the likes of Modric and Kamavinga, Modric especially, that could be the one area that hurts Liverpool the most. It's a big test, like, but I don't know, like the last couple of games when he's played, he obviously came in, he was playing in Fabinho's role and I thought he was all right. The last couple of games when he's played sort of more as a as a midfielder alongside Fabinho, the, mm-hmm. the Everton game and then Newcastle uh, this weekend, I thought he was brilliant in both of them. So, you know, I think you'd worry a bit more maybe if this was at the, at the Bernabeu, but playing at Anfield, they'll be really up for it. I think Klopp and the players will actually really enjoy after the pressure they've been under the last few months. The fact that a lot of people may be looking at it thinking, ah, they probably won't win. I think they'll be, they'll get a little bit of freedom out of that. And I personally, I, I think Liverpool will have enough, at least at home, to to take a positive result to Madrid. What 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 score line are you going for then? Two one Liverpool and the. Liverpool. And Podrig? but you know it's half time, isn't it? It'll be half yeah, time yeah, yeah. in the in the tie. One uh, one, I'll say. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm going for one one as yeah. well. Our arse uh, is getting splinters, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, ne- <laughs> the next one we've got uh, Napoli traveling to Frankfurt. Um, is there any way you can see Frankfurt stopping certainly the dynamic duo up front of Karatskelia and Ozymen, Podrig? Uh, nobody else has really found an answer uh, in Europe or in Serie A this season um, so on that evidence maybe not but I, ju- I think this is such, so exciting this this tie, just really really good um, t- teams like this you don't normally get it's kind of the the bumper equivalent of what we've got with the Bruges-Benfica one, it's nice to see different teams in mm. the last 16 but that one doesn't really it doesn't really get my blood pumping, but this one, uh, this one certainly does. I'm really, really excited. I think Frankfurt will cause Napoli plenty of problems, and Napoli have been like this. Um, not this good, obviously, but in recent seasons they've had exciting teams and exciting attacking um, players, and they go into Europe and they'll maybe get past into January, and you're quite excited about how they'll go. Like the one, I always thought the one big mischance was the year that Chelsea won at Napoli. 
took the lead to Stamford Bridge and then Vilas Boas got sacked between the ties and Di Matteo come in, they come back. So they've had these really exciting teams before that you want to see do well in Europe and they've never quite managed it. But that, this one looks like mm. really special, like you've said. And it's in the past, it's always been like a, a trio. And uh, I've seen people kind of talking about it at the weekend of oh, the new Napoli trio of uh, Oshiman, Faratskelia and Elmas is the one that's been thrown in. And it's just, it could be A and other, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Like I think Elmas does have the third most goals but Simeone's probably been better like off the bench um, sometimes yeah. sometimes yeah. a duo is just a duo time. isn't it yeah <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you don't need uh, the third person Batman and Robin they didn't need that uh, the, the film when was it Alicia Silverstone come in and played <laughs> yeah. Batgirl they didn't need it it was fine God, that's some niche movie knowledge there I, I yeah, honestly yeah. didn't know where you were going to go with that sorry well, he couldn't. He couldn't have gone with. He couldn't have gone with Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman because she was, of course, a villain in that film. So you know, exactly. Both for you. I should just. I should just leave. Maybe I'm the third one. Maybe I'm the one that's <laughs> not the, needed in this odd, podcast. You're the Elif Elmas of the podcast yeah. here. <laughs> if if Napoli win the Champions League, I'll get a Napoli shirt with Elmas on the back. There you you go. should get it tattooed that's, on your back. That, yeah. that should be the kind of commitment. Commitment to the podcast. Um, right then, uh, uh, what are your predictions for this one? I'll start. I'm going 2-0 for Napoli. I think they'll both score, so I'll say 2-2. Uh, 1-0. Right, okay then. Uh, next up, RB Leipzig host Manchester City. Uh, is this the number one priority for Manchester City, Lewis? Did you just say Manchester in a Manc accent? No, I didn't. Um, I just put some emphasis sorry. on it. All right, sorry. <laughs> Although I um, did have both my arms behind my back in prime Liam's dance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Offering someone out. Yeah. Lips up to the microphone. Yeah. I'm not going to burst eardrums with that, am I? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I think um, I think this will be this will be a hard one. City, especially, just haven't been in particularly good form recently. You know, they they obviously raised their game for the game at the Emirates uh, against Arsenal a week ago when they they had no choice. It was I think. You know, Arsenal probably would have been a little bit out of sight if they'd have lost that one, and and they rose to the occasion. That's the question for me, really. Can they rise to the occasion again? It's been a question from from Guardiola over and over again this season. Like, there's a bit of tension missing. You know, you get this sometimes when teams have, have won a couple of titles back to back, go well in the cups. What's missing? It feels like something's missing with City. If it's the tactics not quite clicking, or if it's the you know the players just a little bit of fire in the bellies, it's it's hard mm. to to know and put your finger on it. I think uh, Bernardo Silva got caught out. I thought for the you know playing at left back for the the Nottingham Forest equaliser the other day, just got dragged out of position and and started to try and press the ball in a situation where if you're in midfield and you've got a back four behind you, yeah, sure it's fine. If you are part of the back four, you're going to leave a massive gap yeah. and you're probably going to leave the team in trouble uh, with a quick one two that went around him. So, you know, if that's the tactic again, Pep's left himself or the club have left him with not many options. It's either you you play him there and the guy spends most of the time in midfield playing left back anyway, or you play Ake there and you sacrifice a little bit going forward. Champions League away games has always been an issue Mm. for for Guardiola. I think City will have more than enough. Last time at Leipzig. They lost 2-1. Yeah, right. And they 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 beat them 6-3, I think. 6-3 in in the home leg, yeah, yeah. I feel like watching, and it, and it goes back as well. It goes back to his Barcelona days and, and through his Bayern Munich time as well. 
I feel like these Champions League knockout games, I always trust Guardiola's teams to batter somebody at home. Away from home, it feels like they really often struggle. And I think you know, Leipzig have been in good form for the, or pretty much go back to September since Marco Rosa came in. Um, they got the most, joint most points in the Bundesliga since then mm. with uh, with Bayern and Dortmund. I think they could have a really rough night in in Leipzig. I think they'll have more than enough over the two legs to to comfortably go through, but I think they'll go into the second leg knowing that they're going to have to perform. I think Leipzig will give them some some really tough questions to answer. Okay, then let's get your prediction on it, Lewis. Two uh, one to Leipzig. I'm going to go with after all after all that talk. I've got to, I've got to go yeah. with the Leipzig win, haven't I? Three yeah. <laughs> 0 City. I think they'll pump. <laughs> <laughs> you completely ignored Lewis there. Because yes. <laughs> um, we were too similar right with all. all the others. And rightly so, by the way. <laughs> I'm going to go one all. I think it'll be a close affair. Uh, we'll finish things off with Inter Milan versus Porto. We did this last week when it came to the Bruges Benfica game with Jacob, and I was kind of like, anything interesting to say about this one, Jacob? <laughs> Simon Mignolet is playing. <laughs> like, I felt a little bit bad that we didn't do a huge amount of in-depth but I, uh, analysis on it. But I think with so many massive ties, this one kind of takes a back seat. However, I did notice that Porto have won 10 in a row in all competitions. Um, they sit second in the Portuguese league. Can they win in San Siro, uh, Podrig, although they've got quite a few injury worries? Um, well, I don't know a lot about Porto other than the, the run that they're on, obviously you've said, and it's just... For them, I think they're in a difficult spot that Benfica have just been lights out um, in the league this season. A bit like Napoli and Serie A, mm. where it doesn't matter how good the kind of chasing pack up, which is kind of easy to forget that the Inter, like they're sitting in a decent position in Serie A, they'll, they'll finish in the top four, um, probably end up being the best of the rest, and they're just being made to look like quite an ordinary team when, in fact, I don't think that they are. I think they're, they're actually quite a dangerous team. I think that they'll get through this tie probably without too many problems. And then, you know, like once you're in the quarterfinals that you saw last season, they went, was it last? Yeah, it was last season, wasn't it? They went to Anfield and they got a great result at Anfield the night Lotaro scored the screamer and stuff. So, mm. yeah, I mean, I would think Inter are going to get through this one uh, fairly comfortably, to be honest. Do you think that considering they are, they were they runners-up in the Europa League? a few years ago. They won the Syria title a couple of years ago as well. Uh, is this inter-team and kind of the guys that have been around for a while, looking at Bastoni, looking at Barella, Latoro Martinez as well, are they sort of, um, I guess, due a, a Champions League run or to make a massive impact at the biggest stage? Well, I don't know if they're that good, to be honest. But, it would, but what, I feel like it would have been a year or two ago, right? Like... Maybe the mm. the chance, and and they never managed to put that run together. But like, it's a favourable draw. Obviously, yeah. um, they're long overdue as a club. Like a run in 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 the Champions League. I think it's twenty eleven is the last time they made it through the through the round of sixteen. Um, I think they've only played the round of sixteen once or twice since yeah. twenty eleven, cool. and uh, they they lost last season, but. These players, like, I think you're, like, I'm personally, as someone who doesn't watch them as much, like, not as much as Podrick, I'm looking at, like, Barella, I'm looking at, you know, Lukaku, Lautaro, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, Hakimi's obviously gone. I, I'm thinking that the chance was a year ago, or the chance was two years ago, and it's probably slipped away to, like, mm. not to maybe get to a quarterfinal and, and knock out a team like Porto, but to go on, a, like, a proper run and, and go for the competition. 
Yeah, the problem with that, like Lewis said, is that they had the best team in Italy, but they had Conte in charge and no harm in him. He obviously won them the title, but the Champions League is one that he just, it doesn't matter where he goes, he can't seem to figure that one out um, when it comes to the Champions League. Uh, as you well know as well, Matt, and it's kind of going on that way at the moment too. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like Lewis, I think they probably, went, obviously they were stronger uh, when they won the league. I don't think they're a huge amount weaker, but, I mean, they're not the team that they were, for sure. I just think when I look through the names, I think a lot of Champions League sides around Europe would take them. A lot of Champions League teams, you know, would take Lautaro, uh, would take Skriniar, would take Bastoni, would take well, Barella. Well, Skriniar, I think he is, that's like the worst kept secret yeah. now, I think he is yeah, going to go PSG. PSG in the summer. Yeah. yeah, so I think they've got Champions League calibre players. The, the players are there, yeah. Brozovic yeah. and Barella in midfield. Yeah, yeah, I think exactly. the players are definitely there. So, I, I don't know, maybe, obviously football's not just putting two or two together on paper, but it seems to me like uh, maybe they have the capability. I'm, I'm going to go for a 2-0. First leg victory for Inter. What are you saying, Podrick? 4-1. <laughs> Let me guess, to Porto. He says, <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he says, and then unfortunately listeners can't see that he said 4-1 and then just shrugged. Yeah. Like, oh, uh, two for Lukaku, two for Lutaro. They're going to get back on track. That's, that's what's happening. Take it to the bank. And Lewis? 1-0, uh, Edin Dzeko if you want a goal scorer. 1-0, Edin Dzeko, love it. Right, we shall review these uh, later on in the week or even next week as well. Uh, whenever we'll be back on the podcast next. That That is all from us for this week though. Um, thanks to my guests for joining us today who are giggling in the background at something that I can't quite ascertain. Uh, but of course, you can get involved with all of your pod uh, predictions. I was going to say podcast. Predictions too, you can uh, tweet us at OneFootball um, or email us the addresses podcast at OneFootball.com. But before we go, uh, the, the very last thing, last week, me and uh, Jacob sent a message asking if anyone had anything uh, more bizarre then a combined job of being a politician and a linesman after we saw the Celtic banner. Uh, what was his name, Podrick? Uh, Douglas Ross. <laughs> that was it. We were saying there's a guy absolute glutton for, for punishment if you're a lino and a politician. Um, and I just thought that was quite funny. And someone actually got in touch with us last week. It was Steve Baker who wrote in saying, our local preacher is a high school official as well. Um which is uh, pretty unbelievable to say the least. So anyway, thank you very much for that one. And uh, we will speak to you guys next time.